Well, good morning. It's a joy to be here in Marblehead. Uh, it is for me like coming home. You know, um, we've been associated together in this collaboration of ministry, partnering with us in this, this ministry. And uh, we've seen a lot, we've done a lot, and you've been a partner. You have helped to bring that about. Without you, your prayers and financial support, I wouldn't be able with my family and our colleagues to do around the world what God has been doing through us. So you're a part of that. And, I, and I, you might think, well, it's a small token, but it is a, a token. It is, and, and it, at the end of it, the summing up, not only the finances. We always point to the finances, but you realize finances are part of it. But you hope behind those finances is folks who care about you, care about your family, your kids, and the ministry, and are taking it to heart, and they're praying with you. Well, someone is praying because things are happening around where you've sent us. Okay, so I believe, you know, in my, as I think back when I'm overseas, any place I go, you're part of the sustaining need that I have as I look back to Marblehead and other friends and supporting individuals and churches. To me, you're very important. You know, to you might be just a line item on a budget. But to us, we possibly we think more than you think of us as missionaries. <laughs> okay? But uh, just to know, from my perspective, you're pretty good. Okay? And I, I rejoice. I, I enjoy you. I enjoy the surrounding, notwithstanding the issues that are around us. There's always going to be issues, no matter where you go. Uh, but you're pretty good. And I enjoy coming back, you know, and seeing you. And I, some of you, I, uh, we know each other from the very beginning of our support and, and being launched in the ministry. And it's wonderful to see each other, you know. And uh, we're doing pretty good, you know. And we have our aches and pains, but we're doing pretty good. Well, today's uh, message is on choices. An interesting choices, right? And interesting, yesterday uh, I went to uh, another church service with a friend of mine, and uh, we said, well, if you're in the area, just come by. So I went there, and as I sat in a different format, uh, he says, okay, today's topic I want to touch upon is choices. And I'm thinking, choices? I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to talk about tomorrow. You know? And I said, okay, let me hear what, you know, I didn't say that, but let me hear what you have to say. <laughs> but I thought, Lord, you know, it's, uh, for me, a confirmation. Truly, I say, I didn't need it. But the Lord just said, hey, Vince, I just want to show you. You're in tune with me. You know, we're working together. You're on, you have the right message. And I want to show you by confirming it through this messenger you knew nothing about. Okay? And after the service, I met some folks there. And one of the guys turns to me and says, Vince, I'm glad you came. You know, it's like, I want to do what you've done. You know, it's like, well, what do you mean by that? I'm an engineer. I was an engineer. And, um, and I feel God calling me from out of engineering into ministry. And uh, I was thinking, you know, maybe you could help me as I hear of you. You know, I said, well, where are you working? He says, I'm working at Draper Lab, MIT. I said, that's where I work. That's where I worked. And from there, I left for the mission field. <laughs> you know? And then I said, where did you go prior to that? Park Street Church. A grad group. That's where I was. <laughs> and I thought, 
really? This is a coincidence. And I said, I, it's not really a coincidence, it's an avoid appointment. You know, God brought me here so we could be together. Okay, let's talk. So, again, it's choices. Choices, you have choices. Do you really have choices? Okay, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you know, your choices you think are pretty well set. Uh, following the Lord in his mandates, commands, principles, his word, his fellowship. But there's an interesting that how ch- many choices we do have. And the preacher yesterday said, we have 35,000 choices. He picked up on some <laughs> publicity or some, uh, some uh, sort of uh, commercial that he heard. So we have plenty of choices. But these choices have brought me into sort of, you know, when you're down a road and you don't know what, it, what is going to ha- happen around the corner, the turn, you just see that, especially if it's a new place and driving around. But as you make that turn, a new roadway opens up, you know, and you weren't able to see that when you left. But as you go progress and make those turns, you see new frontiers open up. But you have to take that step. Okay, so one of the things that is really undergirding me in my ministry for years now is this verse in this question I had today, you know, and the verse is Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. I mean, just understanding that is enough to, to... Set your feet straight as to what to do day by day. Many people ask, you know, I don't know, I'm confused as what to do. What I would say, you know, start from where you are. You know, start for, you know, what your, your possibilities are, what your limitations are, and work from there. That's what, and that's what I see in scripture, and that's what I see in my own life as a testimony. As a young kid, I liked uh, sports, but at, when I, at 14, I had an accident playing football, and I ruined my knee. Well, that injury, it brought me to stay away from sports and turn to studies. Okay, so something of my dreams and aspirations, but you know what? I didn't get higher than five foot seven and a quarter. And I was thinking about football. And I would not have made a good fullback. You know, I was always, uh, I didn't like the discipline of training. You know, I had enough talent to get by with it, but I realized that, you know, to go further, you needed to train harder. And, and That's just to say, look at yourself. If you're tall, six foot, six foot ten, seven foot two, you should consider, and you're young, you should consider basketball. If you're five foot eight, six foot tall, fast football, different things. You know, but if you don't have much talent in sports, don't consider sports, and you don't. You know, and you, you major in other, other things. And that leads you into opening up the roadway to your future. You know, unless, unless you're playing the victim card. And I hope you're not. You know, it's woe to me, look at me, what, where, where I've, I've come to, and because of my background, my issues of origin and whatever, whatever. Don't, oh, that, that takes you no place. Okay, that's only excuses. But if you're really willing to tackle, go forth and say, understanding who I am, what I am, where I am, Lord, what am I to do, okay, as a Christian? 
Now, in this passage, in this verse, when it starts off uh, for, and you say, for we, for is sort of summing up this statement of what he had just said. And it actually is from verse 1 through verse 10. The argument is salvation based on works or grace. Okay? And then he sums it up. Now, he could have put this uh, same verse at the beginning of his argument. He just chose to do it at the end. Okay? And he starts off. Well, he ends it. That was thought off. For we, and said, we, who is we? You know, and, and uh, I think he's addressing me. I'm reading it. You know, I'm a missionary, so I must be included in that. But actually, it goes to followers of Jesus Christ. For we. So, if you've made a profession in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are included in this statement declaration mandate that we have that Paul is sharing with us. We. Okay? As I think of we, we have some anchor points in our lives. Anchor points. Foundational. You know, it's like a we, and I said we, because I know on May 10th, 1973, in front of the MIT Rotunda, along the Charles River, at 1212, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. That's an anchor. You know, that launched me from engineering into missions. Okay? Now, so we includes you. If you've understood, you know, we're all born, right? I mean, we all remember our birthdays. At least our parents tell us, and then we remember it, whatever. But how many of us remember our spiritual birthday? But yet we celebrate the human, natural birthday, and hardly anyone ever celebrates their spiritual birthday. Why is it so? If it's so important that I change my whole life, knowingly, to follow this pathway, that is central in my thinking, central in my life, and life turns around this understanding and the spirit guiding me. Okay, so I would say, as we begin in this, in this topic, what is your anchor point? I'm assuming all of us here, you might be interested in Jesus, interested in the Lord, interested in something good about this place you're coming here. And you might have had a conversion coming to Christ story, you know, in your, in your background, your beginnings. Or you're looking for you know, an answer right now. Okay? So I would say, if it's not clear, when I say to you, you know, what is your spiritual birthday? If it's not clear, you should really reflect, think, and then talk to someone, somebody about it. Okay? Because we're all created by God. But we're not all children of God. Did you, did you see that from John one twelve? John, the Gospel of John, verse 12, first chapter. We're all created by God, but we're not all children of God. There's a time when we make a decision. Yes or no. Now, have you made that? No one forced you. No one can force you to do that. You have to come to that, that point. And the best time to do it when you're in your despair, when you're in confusion, and you're in some ways ready to ditch life. Because you realize how lost you really are. And you need an anchor. You need a life raft. A lifesaver. And that's Jesus. 
that's what happened to me when I was going to university from, from Northeastern to MIT, and then with all the success that I had as a kid, a, a young immigrant kid, you know, how do you spell success? Well, to arrive at a certain point, you don't have any more nightmares. That you, The success spells peace in your heart. And how do you get there? As an immigrant, we thought Americans had it made. So become an American. Do what Americans do, and at that point, when you become like them, you know, social peers, you will have made it. You will have arrived. Guess the shock I had when I graduated from Northeastern Engineering, went to MIT Draper Lab Research, and there, I'm still saying, where's the, where's the answer? I don't see it here. My colleagues, 10, 20 years older, said, Vince, you've made it. You know, just continue this pathway. And I was thinking, continue in what? Don't tell me this is life because I don't have this peace that I'm searching for, not the gospel. I'm searching for in my spirit, in my human spirit, in my soul. I couldn't find it. That brought me into two years of an identity crisis. Okay? So, it's a long story, but it's a wonderful story, but it's, I, have to, I have to run, okay? So, uh, there's a message here someplace. Uh, I... I I was asking, uh, you know, like, uh, how much time to, uh, should I have? He said, oh, take as much as you want. I said, don't tell an Italian that. You know, <laughs> we have church services the last two hours, two and a half hours. The preaching, that's one after the other. So that's what I'm, ha- I'm used to. So don't tell me that. Give me a, give me a, a hard number, okay? So I have, a, I have a hard number. He said, how do you preach with that hard number? But, uh, <laughs> um, okay, but I want to stay on topic, you know. I'm also ADD, so uh, forgive me. Um, but I work around it, you know. Uh, I work around it. Uh, for we are God's handiwork or workmanship. Interesting word. And when you read that word, what comes to mind as you do your study? You know, and you're ready to teach this on this topic. What comes to mind for me is Jeremiah 18. Jeremiah 18. Remember that? Uh, that uh, the Lord is, is, is talking with Jeremiah. It's Jeremiah. I know I gave you a hard job to do here, you know, to, to share the good news of Yahweh in the life of my people. But my people are acting badly. You know, they're really wicked. Have you seen them? I want you to go down to the potter's place. And I want to, I want to show you, through an example, visual uh, teaching, what I'm going to do, okay, and what I'm up to. So Jeremiah goes down. And um, have you heard this story? Have you heard this story? You haven't? Oh, come on. Okay, I'll read it. Then. I'll read the text. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you a message. I said, okay, what is it? So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into an, another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, and he said, can I not do with you, Israel, my people? Put your name in there. I put my name, Vince, in there. So can I not do with you, Vince, as this potter does with his clay, declares the Lord? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand. Said, wow. So you thought you were in control. As a Christian... You're not. Okay? 
Okay, that's just, 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 just the way it is. If you want control, leave the faith. And uh, as I said that, I was with a, uh, a friend overseas, a missionary, and he came to me, and we, have, we go to a bar, a real bar, not a coffee bar, and we're drinking, whatever, and he says, Vince, I just, I don't know what to do, you know, I'm just, you know, after a number of years in the field, whatever, I'm just, uh, I'm not happy. So I said, what do you really want to do? He says, you know what, I've, I'd like to go to Alaska and be a lumberjack. <laughs> I said, Really? I said, why don't you do it? He goes, what? what? You're not going to tell me to pray, to repent? I said, you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You've been to Bible school. You've been to graduate school. What, should I, what else do you want me to tell you? You know? I said, it's your decision. You know, but... To the dismay of his parents, he took my advice. <laughs> and, but he just needed a way out, okay? And as a friend, he just, okay. It's like freedom to be able to do something that could bring some sort of peace in his heart. And uh, last I know, he's happy, married, two kids, and has become a deist. Now, there's issues going on there. I know that. I know that there's issues, right? We know all that, you know. But maybe being a lumberjack was the best thing he could have done. And he's still very young. So he has, he has some, some time to come back, come back home. To a place like this, you know, coming back home. See, I go into these sidetracks. So Jeremiah is the potter. And, and the potter, no, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, God is the potter. Israel is the people of God. We are the people of God. May put two and two together. Okay? We are people of God. God is talking to Jeremiah about his people. And it's like, it's obvious, you know, where do you put yourself here? You're, in, you're the clay that God is, has in his hands. He wants to mold and form. Okay. So what does a, a clay do? I mean, if you haven't been to a potter's place and seen the wheel turn and whatever, I've had, you know, and uh, it's amazing. And um, a person sitting at a chair with his feet on a wheel, basically, and turns it, and the, the table spins, clay on top. Now, the clay has to be moist. It cannot be dry. It has to be moist so it could be pliable, flexible. And then he shapes it and tries to shape it. And I've been there, too, when he's trying to shape the clay, and the clay just sort of is fighting the potter with his hands, you know, and it's like, come, you, you, come, get. He said, wait a minute, it's, it's inert, it uh, doesn't have life. But yet there's something about some clay that will not let itself be formed. You know what the potter does at that point? He just grabs it and throws it at, at the <laughs> corner, and I see corner of the, of the place, a bunch of clay, clumps of clay, hardened clay. He gets another one, starts molding it, and then as he shapes it, you know, the way he likes it. So, if we're the clay, what are we to do in the potter's hands? What function do you have? Being flexible. You know, uh, do not resist. Go with his movement. Go with his flow. It's like whatever, you know, because you know it's going to make you feel better. My wife, she's a chiropractor, uh, 
for, the, for issues that she has with her back from when she was very young. And she knows that when she goes on the table and there's adjustments to be made, the best thing to do is to, to relax, relax, or else, or else it's going to hurt and hurt bad. Or else the, the chiropractor can't really work on you because you're too resistant. So you have to just let, let go and go with the flow. Relax. Now, like a massage. When you know, someone's giving a massage in the back, whatever. I did it only once. It was so embarrassing, you know. Having, and, and fortunately, it was a big guy, you know. It's like I was nude, and it was just all over, all over the place. But it, uh, it felt, I felt better after, after the embarrassment. Our response is to let go. Now, there's a lot of things that happen in life that uh, are really are hurtful, are really are um, hard to get over. You know, so there's, a, there's a knots, someone would say, in your back, you know, in your muscles, and they need to be sort of um, uh, smoothed out. Now, believing and understanding, just in this simple verse, the we are his handiwork, and God has his hands on you. Now, interesting is, as you look at that picture, the potter is making out of the clay a vessel, a pot, and then that's the finished product is a pot to sell to the, to the public, right? But the process that he wants us to understand is it's a continual process. It's continually forming us, you know, to bring us to, to the end of that project, you know, to what? To sell it to a public or to show what he has done, what the, what the, uh, the, um, the artist has done, whether it be a painting or whether it be a, um, a working clay or sculpting a statue, he wants you to see the finished product. And the finished product, he wants, wants you to focus on that. And I have some plates at home where I actually have gone and uh, they've made the plates in front of me, you know, beautiful plates. plates. They're, they're selling the market, you know, like Celica, uh, Caleca, Caleca, cut plates from Sicily. And every time I get them out of the, uh, you know, the pantry there and, uh, for us, I, will, I always think of those people working the wheel one by one. You know, and, and I'm using them like this is 40 years later the same place, and I just, I'm enjoying the work of their labor. So the question is, he is, he is working in your life, not only for you getting the knots out of your life, but also to present you to a, a, a public, okay, of his handiwork. Now, what is evangelism? Evangelism gets so complicated. You can make it so complicated. But it's nothing more than showing to the public God's working in your life. In the good time and bad time. That's the key. Everyone could be happy, relatively happy in the good times. They don't really care about that. Show me how you handle life in the bad times. That's the full gospel. That's not the half gospel. Full gospel is 360 how I live my life when someone's not looking, you know, when the doors are closed. And the only people in there is wife and children. They know the full story. The public, we have a saying in, in Italian called uh, la bella figura. That's putting a mask on, you know, and we all walk around and we, we dress up nicely for the occasions and whatever and we all try to outdo each other, you know, with a, with a mask. We play the part. 
And we all know that, but you play the part. And you, it's like, who can play the part better? But that's a competition. We never ask what's behind the, part, the mask. No, 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 that's, come on, you don't do that. You know, that's just offensive. You don't, you, don't, you don't ask those kind of questions, okay? And sometimes on Christianity, we present a product, we present a gospel, you know, what we want you to, to look at. And as you, I said, you see this? And the person looks at you as you're presenting it. I see that, but I don't like you. You know, you're offending me. You say, well, they're offended, they're offended by the gospel. No, they're offended by you. <laughs> you know, make excuses for it, you know. Or like someone has an issue, a problem, and you say, a quick verse, you know. Here it is, you know, this is what God says to you. And then you walk away. Thank you. You know, what do I do with this? I know the gospel too. But I'm sad. I'm not well. I'm hurting. And for you to sort of jump on, on that with a verse, you know, it's like, it doesn't help me. Well, it's because you're not spiritual enough. Oh, how many people uh, bring their children for uh, miracles and whatever, or you go, you know, these miracles, you know, folks who perform miracles. And if the miracle doesn't come about, you know, if the miracle doesn't come, what are you looking for? Healing, whatever healing it is, mental, physical. If it doesn't, it doesn't, if it doesn't come about, well, it's your problem. I did my stuff. If you're really a vessel of God here ready to receive, you know, then you would have received. But you got some issues going on, and God's not speaking, speaking to you. It's not my problem. Interesting, right? So we have choices. Oh, time is running. Uh, choices. Make a good choice. What do you get making a good choice? What do you expect? Fruit of the Spirit. <sighs> Love, joy, peace, forbearance, goodness, faithfulness. Oh, wonderful. That's what, listen, we should be realizing that in our lives day by day. If you're a Christian, okay? And if you're a Christian and you're seeing the other fruit from the flesh, impurity, idolatry, witchcraft, jealousy, fits of anger, envy, drunkenness. You're not a Christian. Am I being too bold? Okay, it could be one time you took a drink, right? You fall off the, what, the wagon, whatever. Okay, okay, once, twice, three times, four times, five times. It becomes habit, character, personality. You need confession at that point. Like the young man who came to me and says, Vince, I don't, I don't have this space even doing this mission work. Go to Alaska. If you, if you can. If you're, if you're not married and you can do that, you have enough money to go to Alaska. Choices we make. Being available. At times when I travel around, I travel quite a bit, when I, before waking up, I play a game with myself and say, okay, Vince, guess where you are? You know, in what country or what the state or whatever. And I'm thinking, you know, close my eyes. And sometimes I have no clue. You know, and my, when I start feeling the bed, if it's nice and soft, it's like and warm, it's my bed at home. Uh, if it's cold, my nose is even getting colder. I know, I know I'm in Italy where it's, there's no heat where I stay. And it's uh, humidity. Even the, even the sheets when you go to bed are wet. <laughs> okay. Hard mattress. Anyway, but when you wake up, it's like I wake up, okay, what am I to do? So I look at my agenda. I'm stepping up, and I'm expectant 
I move out with expectancy. Key, expectancy. If it's true, isn't it true? I mean, are we not to take that verse we just said in Ephesians 2.10? We are created in Christ Jesus, made possible by Jesus being born again, right? To do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. You understand that? He already has prepared the day. What you need to do is show up. Great phrase. Just show up. And available. And you're going to see incredible stuff. Things around you that you are blind to. Okay? When you, when you open up your senses and you already listen and see. You know, there's the old um, story, you know, when a person is sick and they're in bedside and then they start realizing as they're close to death, they think they're close to death, they smell the roses, the, the fresh air, and this and that, become more sensitive to this, their surroundings. Oh, if we could be that aware of our surroundings daily, aware of the spirit moving within us. We are spiritual and human beings. We move, we live around the spirit of God working within us. We have to contend with the flesh and its desires, Right? But we are being moved by the Spirit of God in us. So when I wake up, I say, Lord, I, I expect divine appointments. Like yesterday, going to that service, the preacher was preaching on the decisions, meeting the young man, want to be a missionary. I'm expecting things like that. I don't know the shape of them. I don't know the names. I don't know what's going about, but I know I... That was yesterday, the day before, um, a person calls me and says, hey, I heard you're in town, and uh, how about having coffee or whatever? So we did. He says, by the way, you know, uh, I have a friend. Did you have a problem last year? I did have an operation last year for the esophagus. Something like that. Could you talk to her? So I said, give me the phone right now. He goes, right now? I said, we're talking. She says, we're talking. I said, but give me the phone. Give me the number. I want to talk to this person. Talked to that person, and, she, and I, I, I heard what she was talking about, you know, what, what issue she was having. I said, you know what? I had the same thing last year, and this is what I did. At the end of our conversation, she says, I can't believe it. You know, like, I needed to hear that. Thank you for the encouragement that you gave me today. The day before that, I'm, I'm on a flight, ready to go on a flight, and a friend calls me up. He says, hey, I know you're traveling, whatever. He says, but just want to ask you, Vince, you, you've, you also have had the gout, haven't you? I said, I have it right now. You know, I'm dealing with the gout right now. He says, what are some of the symptoms? Because I have a pain in my big toe I woke up with. You know? So I explained to him the situation. He goes, oh, my goodness. I don't have any medicine. Okay, let me go. I'm going to the emergency to get some, something for my big toe. And it's with gout, you need to really go back quickly unless it gets really inflamed. He's saying, wait a minute. Okay, those are things that, circumstances. No, 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 no. Okay. If you're thinking with your human mind, it's circumstances. But I'm choosing to think with my spiritual mind. And I'm expecting God to prepare the road. Now listen, I made this thought. I don't know if uh, you can go with me on this. Jesus was fulfilling promises promised in the Old Testament, right? 
Things are already set in motion. He just had to walk in them in obedience. Now, is that a good example for us? Things set in motion, God is working, and as promises for us to do, and all we need to do is walk in them. Is that a reach? Is that a reach? God's preparing. Jesus fulfilled. God's preparing. You and I are bringing it about. Wow. God knows us. I, uh, Psalm 139. For you were formed in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. God knows us very well. He's molded. He's shaped us. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. Jeremiah 18. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me. When as yet there was none of them. Even in the mother's womb, God working us, shaping us. He's prepared the road for us. If you would accept. If you would accept. And remember, you were bought with a heavy price. Sometimes we, we, we flaunt being free in the spirit. And sometimes free in the spirit to do what? You know, well, just, just to be free. I understand that. But you understand, too, that you've passed from one owner to the other. You were before slave to the flesh. Now you're a slave to the Lord. Did you know that? You just don't, uh, you just don't go from the flesh to... Uh, Nihilism, you know, there's nothing there. You can do as you please, you know, in Christ and then tag it as a Christian thing to do. You don't. Paul says, hey, you were bought with a heavy price. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, Honor God in your bodies. Make your flesh obey the spirit. Not the other way around. And you know what? Now you have the possibility you can actually do that because God in Jesus Christ on the cross has paid the full penalty of your sin. He's asked Satan, how much is Vince worth? You know, I don't know, give me 10 bucks. That's enough. And Jesus said, okay, I have enough to cover that. And other people come around and Jesus has enough to cover for Everyone who would come to know him as Lord and Savior. So you have been part for a price. You've just switched owners in your life. From Satan, the flesh, to Jesus, to the Lord. And what is the Lord doing right now? He's finished his work, right? He's in full obedience. He's sitting on the throne next to the Father, intervening for us. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for me. Every day. 360. In the good and the bad. Okay? In the good and the bad. There is a major paradigm shift in the reading of uh, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And the shift is, he says, um, let's, uh, where are you? Uh, as you, uh, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, 
verse 1. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the rule of the kingdom of the air. The spirit was now at work in those who are disobedient. And all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings, the desires of the flesh. Like the rest, we're all by nature deserving wrath. And then the greatest, I hate this, I don't like this word. Let's put yet, you know, get the, uh, the biggest yet possible. Yet, because of his great love, God in his rich mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgression, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In order that, in the coming ages, we might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You are saved by grace. You live by grace. That's, you think that's an easy thing? I mean, I can say it easily, but you know how many people really just don't understand that? they saved by grace, and then you heard it from Paul, the apostle in Galatians, say, what happened to you? You know, you're going back into the old ways, into the law. You're free, you know. We save by grace. We live by grace. And I say, please, show some grace to people around you. You know, instead of, instead of saying, I knew it. You know, you, I knew it. I, I told you. You don't need your mom, your dad, in your ear. You know, you, you, you know. You left home, you're married now, you know, and you don't need someone else to take their place, you know, to tell you, I, you shouldn't have done that. I told you so, okay? We have enough of those examples. A, a, a friend calls me, a friend, I mean, that was a friend. All my people, I count on my friends now. Uh, a, a person calls me and says, Vince, I got a problem. I say, what's your problem? He says, you know what? I've fallen, I've fallen in love with one of my colleagues. And I said, oh? I said, uh, so, okay, so what's your problem? He goes, what do you mean? I fall in love with one of my colleagues. I said, so what's the problem you're calling me for? He says, I don't know how to say it to my wife. I said, okay. I said, wait a minute, I think, when you were a Christian, did you go to a church that I, you know? He says, yeah. I said, not only do you have a problem telling your wife what, what you've done, but you've got a problem now with God. So his response was, but Vince, I found my soulmate. Oh, okay, so you don't really care about God, right? So you're just asking me in a nice way, how can I help you to help your wife not hurt so badly? Yeah. <laughs> I said, wait a minute, your decision, is, you have a decision to make, but it's, it's an easy decision. He says, what do you mean it's an easy decision? No, no, the problem you're struggling with is the consequences. They're struggling with the consequences. What she's going to say, what she's going to do, I said, can you afford it, live on your own and pay alimony for the kids? And no. You have a problem. And it's not the decision about leaving his wife. The decision is about how to live on his own and with his fantasy world.
verse comes to mind, Isaiah 44, 3, and says, For I will pour water on thirsty land and streams on dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your, your descendants. I will pour, going back, pour water on thirsty land. And when a person like this person called me gets into issues, it's because he's been looking for the dryness in his soul in the wrong places. So he was having some issues, maybe lack of love, the way he interpreted it, but he was looking in all the wrong places. And he says to me, he says, but Vince, being, thinking he was a Christian, says, but Vince, God is responding to the needs of my soul. No, 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 no. no you were like a, a dry sponge. And whatever drop you could find around wherever you might be was enough. You know, you were just looking for it. I need to go. So let us rejoice and give thanks. I mean, there's so much more to say, you know, and I am Italian. I'm also a counselor, and uh, I just have a lot of stories, a lot of dear folks who I love, and who I, you know, it's like people, it's, people say to me, it's like, why are you so gullible? I can't believe, you believe everybody, you know? I said, I do. I mean, I would rather believe everybody I meet than be with a sort of a critical spirit, like, I wonder what they're saying, how truthful they are. Listen. I'd rather go and believe and tell me well, that's the way you are. Oh, I'm so sorry you feel that way. And then as we talk more, you know, get more understanding, then, okay, I interact with that, your belief system, you know? So I am very gullible. But I, I seek to believe the better in man than the worst in man because it makes me feel better, you know, and show some love. Everyday choices. So you understood the, the, the theme for today, the topic, choices you make? Okay, but we are God's handiwork. If you ask God what he wants of you, you know, this ex- living with this expectancy in your life. There's a wonderful thing, a, a, um, a question that God has answered through an author, um, this guy Jaitani, which I'm reading, and he says this about the, you know, why did man create, why did, why did God create man? My thinking was, you know, the, the classical response you know, to worship him, you know, to, uh, to, to recognize and be thankful for what God has done in our lives. So we come to worship and we're here to thank him, honor him, bless him, right? But the thinking being, my human spirit is, and what do I get out of this? Has anyone here thought about that? Because it's like worshiping God, it's like, okay, but what about me? And then, I'm thinking, God, are you that selfish that you created man, the world man, so they could be there giving you a applause? It's like, and I'm part of that. I'm something here I'm missing, and I was missing it. And I'm saying this because it's so important. With a biblical, with a proper biblical understanding of the Trinity, listen to this. We can say that God did not create in order to be loved, but rather created out of the overflow of the perfect love that had always existed among the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Whoever lived in perfect and mutual relationship with the life. Now I get it. 
And I hope that I'm saying that because that's so, so, so mind-boggling to me, what I was struggling with before. We have been created out of the overflow of love in the Trinity, in the fellowship between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not because he needs us to applaud, not to thank him continually, you know, for having created us. Okay? So if this isn't enough, what I'm saying to you to encourage you, I want to, I'm here to encourage you, okay? I'll leave you with this little thing. How my nieces uh, are encouraged and how they told pops, if I'm sad, to do this, you know, to think of this. I said, honey, what is it? He says, well, he says, um, when you're sad, pops, follow, follow Pete. I said, Pete, what do you mean Pete? You mean Peter the apostle? Peter, right? No, no, Pete, Pete the cat. Have you heard about Pete the cat? Follow Pete the cat. Now there was Pete. Pete who loved his white shoes. And, uh, and he would go uh, walking and singing and, and, stepped in, and going about his life singing, I love my white shoes. 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 And one day, Pete's walking and he walks, he, he walks into a, a big pile of strawberries. And, oh no, but is Pete sad? Oh no, no, goodness, no, no, because now Pete is walking and singing, I love my red shoes, I love my red shoes, I love my red shoes, I love my red shoes. And as he's walking with his red shoes, there is another pile, a pile of straw, no, blueberries. And now his shoes are blue. Now, is he going to be sad? Is he going to pout? Oh, no, goodness, no. He's going to be going around the road singing, I love my blue shoes, I love my blue shoes. Then one day, it rained. It soaked his feet. And it wiped away the color. And he's got white shoes again. So what does Pete do? He goes off, walking and singing, I love my white shoes, I love my white shoes. May this be a blessing. I mean, there's a little, a little bit of laughter really helps the soul, okay? Thank you for the love you show me and uh, you know, in all various ways. I love you guys. I love this place. I pray for you. And uh, let us take seriously God's word for you today, Okay? You are in the we with Vince. You are with the we. You are his handiwork. Okay? And the Lord wants to show you to the public. Will you permit him to show you to the public? Amen.